all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? I'll blast off. <laughs> I'm Rachel. Hi, I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Follow us into Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitch at All Bad Things Pod. Uh, email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord. Do all of those things. Yes. So, yes. are we talking about a shuttle? We may be talking about space today. Oh. We might. I gave you a, you a hint earlier, didn't I? Yeah. For the season premiere of For All Mankind. Mm hmm. Season three, three I yes. believe, yes. Uh-huh. Season two had its good things, and it had its really creepy thing. Oh, yeah. So I, I hope... No spoiler alerts, no. but there is a very there's, creepy story. There is a very, very, <laughs> just like... <laughs> like So cringe. It's almost like, how did... Like, this must be somebody's... Like, one of the Personal writers... experience or something. Or something or like fantasy. that. It's like fantasy, ooh. Or, yeah, or both. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, I, I did not like that. That was so uncomfortable. I'm like, I'm like who approved this? <laughs> like, seriously. And I'm sure the actors were probably creeped out by it, too. Right? You would be. Or were they? I mean, who knows? I mean, yeah. But yeah, that's got to be the cringiest thing on TV I've ever seen. Like, it really, it really has there. to be. It's, it's up there. It's, it's like, gotta scripted. Be. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that was bad. I mean, it's. Was I thought bad. the Top Gun volleyball scene was like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but for the record, that's not to say we are not recommending for all mankind. Yeah, watch it. I think it's a good show. It is. It, that was just but, you, fast forward through the cringe storyline. Yeah, <laughs> but you can't because it has. But well, anyway. Um. But I thought it was a super interesting premise to start the third yes. season. So I'm excited about the rest of the season. Um. It sort of inspired, apparently, this script, because I started the script months ago. Okay. Like, just the intro, just the very first part. Okay. Um, and then never got back to it. I kept meaning to, and then just didn't. Just so just, I, it's just one of those things you put off and put yeah, off. Yeah, so I finally started... Uh, oh, this thing again. Yeah, I finally started it again, and then it was like... Then I saw the ad for the new season of For All Mankind, so it just happened to like coincide yeah. with the premiere and everything. So I thought that was a yeah. a good uh, coincidence. It was like a light bulb moment. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, what what are? Oh, you didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. I no, discouraged okay. you from getting one. And that okay. wasn't that no. wasn't kind of me. That's, <laughs> it's understandable. I am drinking the finest national local beer. Make it a Miller Lite. Yes. <laughs> and I am having the Blue Moon Mango Wheat. Mango Wheat, yes. Mango Wheat. So, no, no interesting crafties for us. We've gotten very boring we and have. generic. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. need to go explore yeah. a little bit more. Um, oh, and also, a happy pride to yes. all those celebrating, which is hopefully all of us because we should yes, all celebrate. we are with you. Yes, exactly. We should all celebrate our... Um, LGBTQ plus community members. So there we go. Um, so are we ready to go into outer space? Once so. again, we've done, let's see. Mm, we've done four? Apollo one. Yep. We've done Columbia. We did Columbia mm -hmm. early on. 
We did... Apollo 1 was fairly early on, too. I think maybe that was in the 50s. Yeah, somewhere, something like 50s that. 50s or 60s. Mm-hmm. And we did... Not, Apollo... not the event. No. Like the, <laughs> no, the, yeah. The Although it was actually in the 1960s. It was in the 60s, so. yes. Um, and then we did Apollo 13 as a miracle sode. Mm-hmm. That's right, we did. Um, Did we... We did the rush of the cosmonaut. The, Soyuz the, 11. Yeah. The three... The only three people to ever actually die, die in space. Die in space, yes. Uh-huh. The first death in space, mm-hmm. yes. Uh-huh. So this is why I got that topic mixed up with this topic. Today we are going to talk about Soyuz 1. Okay. And I got it mixed up, first of all, because 11 and 1 are sure. only one digit off, right? Yes, they are. And then I thought that the first person to die in space was on Soyuz 1. But no, it was Soyuz 11. I'm like, okay, so what happened in the case of Soyuz 1? So let's talk about it, shall we? On April 24th, 1967, the first crewed, or, or I'm trying to, trying to avoid using the word manned because it's not just men who have been in space. Uh, the first crewed Soyuz aircraft launched by the Soviet Union, Soyuz 1, crashed in s- southwest Russia during... It, yeah, it was Southwest Russia, during its landing, killing cosmonaut Vladimir Komarov in the first in-flight fatality in the history of space flight. Okay. So the first... That, that counts. Yes, it does. So the, the... And at first I got that conflated with a death in space, but no, it but it was during the flight, right. technically. It was on the landing. It was on the landing. Yeah, which yes. is usually when... It's well. That's what they say about planes, right? Takeoffs and landings mm-hmm. are the most dangerous. Yep. So, so yeah. Primary sources were all that's interesting: Encyclopedia Britannica, How Stuff Works, NASA, Nature, NPR, Russia Beyond, Space.com, and Wikipedia. And so this is how this starts. Remember, I wrote this months ago. So back when we were watching for all mankind on Apple TV Plus. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so apparently they mentioned Soyuz One and Soyuz Eleven. I don't specifically men- remember that, I don't but either, yeah. I must have written that right after that happened or sure. whatever. Um, and I say, you know, I remember we had covered Eleven, but not One. So, uh, and we talked about how. Uh, Soyuz 11, only time there was death in space at the time, or first time. Uh, but Soy, or no, you're right, because the other deaths have been upon launch or reentry, mm-hmm. not in actual outer space. Correct. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Columbia made it <coughs> back into yes, they were, they were the atmosphere. They were visible at the time. And that's when things went wrong. Yes. Yes. Um, and Challenger was going out of the yes. atmosphere when things mm-hmm. went wrong. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah, so the Apollo 1 disaster uh, happened just a few months before this. So this is April 67. Apollo 1 was January 67. Wow, so okay. So that happened really soon mm-hmm. after. And I'm sure they knew that that happened, the whole world. Oh, yes. Knew. Oh, yes. And, well, and especially, like, there's a lot, and, and you know, it's important to mention that any time, and we, I mention this every time we cover something about Soviet Russia, the information has varying degrees of reliability sure. because of the secretism yeah, and the course. the um, the way information was systematically managed in the USSR. Um, but yeah, the United States, I'm sure Apollo One made like news headlines. Oh, of course. Yeah. So yeah, it was not kept under wraps. The, I mean, the space race is in full 
full swing. Well, yes. It is moonshot time yes. at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that was on the ground. It was in a space capsule, mm-hmm. but it was uh, during testing and a fire and horrible. Yes. You can it's, go back and listen to our yeah. episode if you'd like. Um, but it was pretty bad. Um, and even... Apollo 1 wasn't the first testing fatality in spaceflight. Four people, one Soviet and three Americans, had died during testing involving spaceflight. Mm-hmm. So the Americans were in jets. So Because mm-hmm. a lot of... That's why they hire so many pilots as astronauts, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. um, a lot of the initial testing is done in uh, flight, regular flight, aviation. Yeah, um, And then the Soviet astronaut who died was in an or a soviet individual who is who died was in an altitude chamber mm. so they all died on the well mm-hmm. i say on the ground but the flights you yeah. know training yes and that dates back as far as 1961 sure uh but vladimir komarov ended up being the first person to die during the actual flight space mm. flight so um, I'm not going to go hugely into detail about the space race because we talked about it quite a bit in the past, um, and especially in the Apollo 1 episode. I think, I think most people are aware of it, even if you're young. Mm-hmm. Even if you're in, listening to us and you're in your early 20s, you probably know what the space race is. I it would was think. a very specific, essentially decade-long mm-hmm. portion of uh, the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a familiar topic in general um but i thought i'd cover a little bit about the soviet side sure what's known right Mm -hmm, yeah quote known Known. yeah uh the like i said the sources of information are not the most reliable they are not so and the only reason we got a lot of this information we got a lot of this after the breakup of the soviet union because mm -hmm. then people started to you know, talk about right. these things happen, this thing happened. Mm-hmm. Or release yeah. records. Yeah. Because before, all you would probably hear is, like, Russians try <laughs> space, one dies. Right, like, right. Uh-huh. Like, Very limited like just, information. Yes. And, like, the yeah. story would be, it happened. Mm-hmm. Trust us. Mm-hmm. And then that'd be the end of the story. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, like, how uh, roughly the equivalent of what do we know about North Korea today. Yeah, exactly. And how they really operate. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, space exploration has a very long history in Russia, dating back to the late 19th century, when the first theories began being put forth on the feasibility. Sure. Because, I mean, at this point, aviation wasn't even really done. Automobiles were, like, in their infancy. Yeah, well, you had aviation at this time in the in the form of airships. But, like... Um, when did when were airships? Uh, like, the 1880s. Really? Okay, yes, well, the then it's that... Yeah. Well, it's that era, so... And that... And that cause people mm-hmm. to be like well if we can do this why can't we keep going why yeah. can't we do this uh-huh. and then once you know yep yep gotcha so uh so they were they're considering the feasibility of launching machines and possibly humans and other oh yeah they're thinking all kinds of shit right. and they need like chaos math like minds to right. is it physically possible right And one of the earliest scientists with working theories that helped establish the entire field of astronautics was Russian Empire-born Konstantin Tsiolkovsky. Sure. So he was born in 1857, and he worked on literal rocket science rocket science uh so in the doing first it all the third way back of the 20th century no in the tw- earliest part of the 20th century sure yeah. yeah the first third of the 20th century so he was older when he was working on it but yes yeah back in the first like 
through the 20s and 30s, they mm. were already... I mean, they were making... Getting close to making the bombs, so... True. It, the, I would imagine the main thing is propulsion. Like, that that was probably the main issue to solve, right? Because it's one thing to get the a plane is, off the The math ground. is saying, we need to get to this amount of speed right. to get off the ground. And then what do make we, it through. What do we have to get us to this amount of speed? Right. And you don't just have to make it off the ground. You have to make it all the way yes. through the mm. Earth's atmosphere into just, outer space. Yeah. I think once you're in outer space, and I'm going to sound like such an idiot if I get this wrong. I feel like once you're in outer space, like, you're you're not in danger of falling back down, right? I guess not. I don't know. Because there's no gravity of it that way. in space, True. right? So yeah, it, you would just be stuck up there. So you're, but you're, what I'm saying is you're not needing as much propulsion in space because you're not working against gravity. But you need it to get out of Earth's atmosphere. You sure. need to get away from the gravitational pull Mm-hmm. of earth you need to get back in too yes and then you need yeah. propulsion to get back in that's mm-hmm. true mm-hmm. so that was like the biggest thing well not to mention like how do you breathe in space out of that all that sorts of things yeah. yes um I, I, can you imagine like can you imagine like thinking about those mm-hmm. things like in this time well there are people, people were there are people now working on very theoretical oh yeah going to mars things, or things, you know, you know even beyond that, like highly experimental things in, you know, biohacking is a thing, mm-hmm. and you know, just like stuff that they seem very crazy now, <laughs> but there may be a safe or safe-ish way to do it down the road or something. Yeah, you know? we we may need a computerized terraforming system one right? day, right? <laughs> just like in Horizon Zero yeah, Dawn. Yeah, exactly. I think now that we have like. We, Somebody has already put the idea out there. People are thinking about it in story form. Right? Yeah. Well, the same thing. Yeah. Like Jules Verne was putting a lot of these theories out that science fiction is the first to think some of right. this stuff. Yeah. And then truth ends up being stranger than fiction. Yeah, no shit. And, yeah. and people start like, hey, like. Why not? Let's How about? crunch the numbers. Yeah, let's, let's see if this can be accomplished. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And let's see if we have the tools to to get to where we need to be. I'm more an idea person myself. Yeah, <laughs> not, I'm not, not doing the... I'm more of an execution person. Like, the jobs I've <laughs> like, had... Like, tell me what to do. Right, the jobs I've had recently, like, involve, like, science and shit. But mm-hmm. somebody else does You're that. You're not the one doing that. I'm not yeah. the one doing that, thankfully for everybody. <laughs> I'm just... If you were I'm trained just the, to do it, you'd be fine. Well, you have to deal with a little bit. You, have to, you do have to do calculations yeah. and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But no, I'm like... It's like, in order to do this, you have to do this. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's where I come in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, it wouldn't get done otherwise. Yeah, I'm fine with it. So, yeah. So, um, Tsiolkovsky was followed by the next generation of Russian innovators, which include Alexander Ignatievich. I hope I'm pronouncing these right. Shargay. Also known (laughs) by a completely different name, Yuri Vasilyevich Kondratyuk. Um, so his alias was, that was the, his alias during the Russian Revolution. That's why he has a whole second name. Um, who came, stop it, Demetrius, uh, who came up with the entire, <laughs> he was yes, scratching he was. at the door. He's still early for being being fed. Uh, who came up with the entire concept of lunar orbit rendezvous, or LOR. The idea that you once you get out to space, you could indeed get back to Earth. Mm-hmm. Using the moon's orbit as the, a slingshot, essentially. Yep, yep. the pull, gravitational pull of the moon. Anyone who's watched Apollo 13 knows at least a little something about that. Or Armageddon. 
Oh, really? Did I've never seen Armageddon. You've never seen that? Mm. Right. We have to watch it. Apparently. It's, it's so bad. I'm sure I'm sure it dates very uh-huh. 1998, which was the year it came out. Yes, and you know how I feel about Ben Affleck. <laughs> yes, I do. You know I loathe him. Yes, I do. So You'll loathe him even more. <laughs> it'll be fun for you. Okay, I'll you know, enjoy be, how yes, terrible it is. We need to do that on Twitch. Okay. We need to watch Armageddon. Well, you know, um, I won't want to close my eyes or fall asleep because nope. I don't want to miss a thing. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> so without LOR, Lunar Orbit Rendezvous, the Apollo missions would have been literally impossible. The Soviets, yes. The Soviets developed rockets in the 1920s and would spawn giants of the space race, including Sergei Korolev and Andrei Tupov. Topolev, who aces California, covered in episode 196, The Maxim Gorky. Oh, very nice. Yes. Uh, Now, starting in the late 1920s, the government of the Soviet Union used what were known as five-year plans. Um, These were common in, well, okay, so communist slash socialist countries of the time, although I sure hope we're all past thinking that communist Russia is ideal socialism, you know? That's not what those of us who are for socialism are envisioning. We're not for that. No. (laughs) But um, basically, these five-year plans are concentrated goals of increased industrialization meant to develop the economy. He's gonna... He's gonna distract me, isn't Mm -hmm. he? Okay. Unfortunately, they also did some pretty awful things like exploit workers. No. What? (laughs) And cause famine and horrible living conditions and death and everything else. So This is in uh, Russia, correct? (laughs) Actually, I was going to say this is, I was about to say Soviet Russia. It had just happened. Uh Yeah, it it is Soviet Russia. It is Soviet at this point Mm -hmm. because this is Mm -hmm. post-1917. This is in the 20s, late 20s, yep. Um, At any rate, after World War II, because obviously that took a lot of resources for everybody, the five-year plans included the Soviet development of space travel. It took the Soviets a lot of bodies, too. They lost 25 million soldiers in World War II. Wow. I I, I don't know if that's soldiers and civilians. Oh, just people? I think it is. Yeah. I think it's both, but either way. That is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. so they started with rocket launches, and eventually someone had the great idea that they needed to try launching living things into the atmosphere with rockets, which they did. But to be fair, it's not even unprecedented at that time. Demetrius! <laughs> we're going to have to feed them, aren't Yeah, we? I think so. All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> so the... Uh, the Soviet Union were not the first to start launching living creatures into space. That would that honor would go to, um, well, first of all, technically, like lots of people going as far back as the 18th century, they were literally like launching animals into hot air balloons when those were new. Okay. <laughs> so animals have been have gone, you know, boldly go where no man has gone before, but a lot of animals have, because we yeah. like to we like to see about how it works on animals before it works on us, so yeah. Um, but Soviet animals were not the first creatures launched in the interest of burgeoning spaceflight. In 1947, the United States launched a confiscated Nazi ballistic missile, actually multiples of them, 
Yes, confiscated Nazi ballistic missiles in New Mexico and put fruit flies on board. Oh. What's interesting about that is the technicality of it. So apparently NASA defines space, like where where does space start? Do you know? I'm not going to answer that question. (laughs) They have a definition. (laughs) It's 100 kilometers or 66 miles in the air. Okay. There's that's, sure. that's it, apparently. Sounds good to me. And these fruit flies made it 109 kilometers into space. And interestingly, all made it back alive. That is interesting. Yes. They're very uh, hardy little buggers. <laughs> Get it? So Literally we can, buggers. <laughs> we can look forward to them in the apocalypse. <laughs> yes, I guess so. Yeah. We'll have to learn how to make a fruit fly cake or something. Right. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, instead of fruit cake, it's a fruit fly cake. <laughs> yes. Um, now, fruit flies are easy not to feel too bad for. Yeah. I mean, you know. It's like, yeah. But, of course, it just gets sadder and more depressing from there. Yeah. The U.S. evolved uh, in what creatures they'd send into space very quickly, and by all accounts, before the Soviets did. Uh, this in- included at least four racist monkeys. Yeah. All named Albert. Hmm. The second of whom, Albert II, became the first mammal in space. Okay. The USSR picked up this pattern and started famously with dogs. Yeah. They picked mostly stray dogs. Like, they would literally pick out stray dogs because they thought they would be more used to the cold. I I mean... (laughs) I know, there's nothing good to say (laughs) in here. There's nothing good to say. Mm -hmm. In July 1951, they launched two dogs into space, 101 kilometers up, who, shockingly, both survived. Making the USSR the first to successfully get mammals up into space and back down to Earth because, spoiler alert, Albert II did not make it back home. Uh, Yeah. So, so it's the Cold War. (laughs) No kidding. Yeah. They came back. They did. uh, Highly traumatized, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. And what do you want to bet they just put them down or something like that, you know? No, they probably studied them, I'm sure. Well, yes, that's true. Uh, Mm, Probably cut them open uh, to do it. Well, no, I'm like studied their habits after and then uh, who knows? They probably cut them up. I'm I'm a glass half full (laughs) kind of guy. And I'm a nihilist. (laughs) Yes. So... As the Cold War and the space race continued, the USSR actually had some of the biggest wins. The Soviets became the first to successfully orbit the world's first artificial satellite. The famous... Uh, hang on. Mm. Tip of the tongue. Uh, can I guess the year? Do you have the year? I do have the year, yeah. Uh, was it 1957? It was 1957. Um, Very good. That's actually the harder thing to get. Uh, why can't I think of it? Here's a picture of it if you want to see it. Let me see. Yeah, this thing had a name. It did. (laughs) Sputnik. Sputnik. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Of course. Yes. Sputnik 1. And it was in 1957. That's the hardest thing to remember. For some reason, I just remember the year. (laughs) Obviously not the craft. Right. (laughs) Uh, By 1959, they were planning to launch the world's first human into space under the Vostok, which means East program which that makes sense because this is the east versus the west Mm. right like their u.s counterparts they eyed military men who fit into very specific criteria for size weight and age like these are (laughs) the early spacecraft were really small for like the carrier part Mm -hmm. of it the not the cargo but you know like the where the crew would be at first it it was just 
can we physically be in space? Right. And then if we can, how small of a space can right. we be in? And then we'll, we'll do the add-ons later. Mm-hmm. You know, like, okay, now that we can go to space, what can we use to cargo up to space? Right. And, like, and how comfortable can we make live? That came yeah. down the road. Yes. <laughs> they weren't even... They didn't but, they have... were, but they were already thinking of it at this time. Oh, I mean, yes. They, of course. Of yeah. course. But these were the early days mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. So they basically... They needed little guys they needed not large people so we're not talking like strapping giant people we're talking compact individuals so they paired their initial candidate pool down to 20 and then down to six it was like the uh, mercury damn how many of them were the mercury seven the mercury eight you know like when they first picked the was it something like that anyway similar to the u.s um they they had six people now they were not planning to send them all up. They were just going to pick one person out of that. So they consider uh, they continued to whittle down the candidates after extensive training and examinations. And in the end, they selected. Do you know who the first man in space was? Uh, Yuri Gagarin. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, it is Gagarin. Gagarin. Yes, Yuri Gagarin. Yes, that's mm-hmm. yeah. Who was twenty-seven? And his height was 157 centimeters or 5'2". He was one inch shorter than I am. And uh, (laughs) I love this picture of him. It's actually really cute. This is uh, Yuri Gagarin. (laughs) Hey, it's a a Soviet with a smile. I know, he's got like a little devilish smile. You don't see them smile ever. You really don't. In pictures, I know. In anything. Yeah. But yeah, so... Uh, that was who they chose. Uh, and so he was placed into Vostok 1 early on the morning of April 12th, 1961, and launched into outer space. He spent less than two hours orbiting the Earth before re-entering the Earth's atmosphere and ejecting from the spacecraft. That's fucking nuts. I know. So he ejected, fell from the spacecraft at 23,000 feet or 7,000 meters and became not only the first human in space, but the first human to survive spaceflight. So that's pretty remarkable that the very first yeah, person sent up made it back it. down. Because I'm pretty sure he was probably thinking, there's a good there's chance a, I'm, not, I'm coming not, not coming back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. May, so. Maybe he was wishing for, to be the, he was like, please pick me. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe other things were going on in his we'll life. We'll talk about his death in a little bit. Ooh, okay. In the end. So, um, in the wake of the Soviet success on May 25th, 1961, U.S. President John F. Kennedy made his famous moonshot speech, which we've discussed. And I've watched. You can watch it on yeah. YouTube. And it's mm-hmm. it's a... He talks about a lot of other stuff, too. And the and other things. A, yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll do this and the other thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what, what is the other thing? You have to listen back. Yeah. But uh, it's about, like, 18 or 19 minutes long. And it is really... Rousing? It's inspiring. Yeah. Like, it really mm-hmm. is. Like He was a compelling speaker. He was definitely that. It, uh-huh. He was not so great at other things. <laughs> you know? Like and keeping he, it in his pants? Yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, he's controversial for a reason. Right. Um... Yeah, I mean, yeah, he knew how to mm-hmm. speak to the people. Inspire people. He yeah. did. He mm-hmm. really did. Mm-hmm. So, he, so Kennedy's like, hey, we're going for the moon. We're going to take yeah. this moon shot, but... <laughs> Talk about a fucking roll of the dice. Holy but, shit. But here's the other thing. He also almost immediately 
started exploring the idea, he's like, well, what if we just cooperate with the Soviet Union? What if this is a mm. joint... Oh, watch your head with that oh, lamp yeah. right there. Yeah, you can yeah. swing it away. That's all right. <laughs> I, kn- I remembered not to turn it on this time. At That's least. true. I would have felt that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> as, I, as I have before. Um, <laughs> no, there's no way he's working with this. There's no well, way. Well, but here's... here's we're, we'll talk about the other side of it that I want to talk yeah. about. But... Um, so he was like, what if we cooperate instead of operating in competition? So when Kennedy met with then-Soviet leader Nikita Khrushchev mm-hmm. in the following months... They discussed this as a possible collaboration. Khrushchev initially, like, shot it down. He's like, look, we got to cool off our nuclear standoff before we can talk about cooperating like this. Like, this isn't working. But Kennedy... Yeah, we're not we're not doing very good at being on the ground together. Like, let's not... Like, <laughs> let's not take this into space, space wars. Space is a different topic. Yes. <laughs> Star Wars. We don't need yeah. Star Wars to come along until George Lucas writes it, yes. okay? Yeah. <laughs> For fuck, I mean, what a fucking but, crazy time. Well, but, but Kennedy kept at him. He's like, I want the Apollo program to be a joint U.S.-Soviet venture. Wow. Um, here is a, a famous moment in history. No wonder they called him a commie. Mm-hmm. Kennedy and Khrushchev. I didn't. I didn't. This is the first I've ever heard of this. I know. I, I didn't know this. Me too. And I think you know where I'm maybe going with oh, this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. As to maybe why he's not around and wasn't around for much longer. Um, So, unfortunately, between frequent conflicts like the Cuban Missile Crisis... I was just going to say, this is... yeah. The idea kept getting put off until finally things started to look like maybe they're coming together for a joint effort. You know when that was? Fall 1963. Mm. Do you know what else happened in fall 1963? Uh, somebody got shot in the head. And it wasn't Khrushchev. It was not. So, that's my little hot take on, uh... And... The assassination. It was a former Soviet resident Hmm. that shot him in the head. I'm still of the mind that... I I, I do think Lee Harvey Oswald actually shot JFK. And he lived in the Soviet Union. Yes, but I think there was plenty of stuff going on behind the scenes. Oh, sure. He yeah. wasn't the lone wolf. Well, we'll never know that part. Mm-mm. No, we won't. But but as far as to what isn't happened, this an interesting angle uh, to it between is, him not becoming... wanting to go to Vietnam, yeah, him wanting to cooperate with the Russians for the space program, he had a lot of leanings that a lot of people here in the states wouldn't like, especially well, high up. I was just gonna say the people the, would have been fine probably, but the high ups for the most part. But mm-hmm. yes, but the the high ups who stand to lose money. Mm-hmm. Let's face it that's what this is all about money mm-hmm. like if we don't have perpetual war then we can't justify billions and billions and billions and billions, and billions. And billions. i mean <laughs> yes. you could play that clip yes and that's how many at infinitum yeah. and that's how much money we've spent on the military right. yeah so yeah. and that controls a lot of the stock market it controls a lot of mm-hmm. um personal interest groups mm-hmm. special interest groups mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. packs, super packs. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure people all over the world, not just Americans mm-hmm. and Soviets, mm-hmm. because our attention is affecting the rest oh, of the yes. world too. Oh yes, the rest of the world is uh-huh. like waiting. Without the Cold War, would we have gone to Vietnam? Probably not. Yeah, it's I a mean, proxy war, right? Yes. Well, for well, for the U.S. Yeah. involvement, it was yeah. And and the saddest part about it is. 
is it was done on purpose. Yeah. yeah. Like when you yes. go back in time, mm-hmm. the Soviets were our key allies in mm-hmm. World War II. We're mm-hmm. not winning World War II without them. And they were That's, fully Soviet then yes. too. Yes, they were. <laughs> yes. You know, Uncle yeah. Joe. Uncle Joe back then was Joseph Stalin. Mm. And we decided after it was all over and we both won that you're going to be our new enemy. Mm. And we're not gonna, we needed one. And we're not going to give you any money. Yeah. But the big bad Germans who we both just defeated, mm-hmm. and I agree with this, mm-hmm. we're going to give them money to rebuild. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. But not supporting the Soviet Union in any way was purposely started the yeah. Cold War. It really did. And it's sad. It didn't have to be this way. Sorry. No, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> so, um, so with Kennedy dead, the space race was on, and sure. would stay on. You know. Well, by that time, I and I and public support for it was extremely high. Yes, I think and, that's what well, kept it. That's the thing. I don't think anybody was really against no. this idea. I mean, there were people, but, but that's normal. How much earlier could we have hit a moonshot as a global effort? I mean, you yeah. know, like, imagine if you put all the brilliant minds of multiple countries together. Right? I mean, we were already stealing Nazi talent. Yes, we so, were. Yes, know. yes, we were. <laughs> We've talked about that in uh, I've, Operation I've, Paperclip. Yes, and I've always been, I'm like, is that a true crime story or is it like an all bad thing? I know. It's one of those things that I'm not sure if, if we could cover, but it's something I want to cover. Well, like assisting war criminals or... That's both. It's a crime <laughs> and it's an all bad thing. Well, it leads to other crimes. crimes. are bad things. <laughs> yes, that's so. true. But we try not to do... Yes, exactly. Our audience knows. Exactly. We, and if you're new, we try not to do things that are deliberate. Right. Deliberately crime. Yes. Criminal, yeah. Um, well, maybe we can do an all bad history episode or something. Maybe. <laughs> For 4th of July, we'll do that one. America. <laughs> America. One of the candidates who was in the initial candidate pool for Vostok 1 was a Soviet Air Force engineer captain in his early 30s named Vladimir Mikhailovich Komarov. And this is him. Is he smiling? That's what I'm no. wondering. Oh, yeah. That's, no, that's he's a serious guy. That's the normal. I just, uh, to me, mm-hmm. and it's because I was a, a, a child at the end of the Cold War, mm-hmm. just becoming a teenager when the Cold War ended. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I had, looking back on it, you have the propaganda of, like, I can yes. remember the yes. propaganda. Uh-huh. like, mm-hmm. sh- And that was like a thing is like, they never smile. <laughs> like that was like a thing that was kind of, it's right. like, like you think, you think you're happy being a communist? <laughs> Look, they don't yeah. smile. <laughs> I mean, that was the kind of shit we were learning in school. Yeah. I'm not, and I'm not even kidding. No, I believe it. And it I wasn't, it. I, I don't think it was deliberate in the sense of we're going to brainwash these mm-hmm. kids. It was kind of deliberate in the sense of that's just kind of how the mood was. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So Vladimir Komarov was a lifer in the Air Force, almost literally. He had joined when he was 15. Wow. Yeah, as a kid. So they're like... They took him. Good enough. (laughs) This is Soviet (laughs) Russia, isn't it? Um, Unfortunately for him, Komarov didn't meet the strict physical or age criteria for... um, Oh, goodness. What was the name? Vostok 1. Yeah. Uh... He just wasn't the right size. He was older. They, I think they were only taking people between 25 and 29. And at this point, he's that like 33 sense. or 34 or something yeah. like that. Um, so so he, he didn't get selected, but he did get to train with the other crew members, or the other candidates, rather. 
Um, that is after he returned from medical leave because he was out on medical leave for six months following a minor operation. And he used this downtime to study and was valued for his experience and his smarts, which earned him the nickname The Professor. Mm-hmm. He also went by Volodya, a nickname version of Vladimir, I guess, which a lot of his cohort called him because he was generally considered likable, kind, and a hard worker. Like, he was an ideal co-worker. Yeah. The, the fun one. <laughs> no, I think more like the studious <laughs> yeah. uh, 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 one who will help you out. Yeah. <laughs> so after Kennedy's death, the USSR codified its participation participation in the space race through a government a governmental dec- oh my goodness a governmental decree mm. in August 1964, which like the Apollo program kept its focus on the moon. So this was like their answer to Kennedy's moonshot a few years later. Well, and that's kind of the reason he made that stance too, I'm sure, is like, like, let's see what you guys got. Yeah, mm -hmm. sort of Mm toe-to-toe, like, yeah. Um, As a top-notch... It's just just dick swinging. Yeah. That's all it is. It is. That's why we need more women leaders, (laughs) just saying. As a top-notch... hurt. (laughs) As a top-notch participant in the Soviet space program... Vladimir did not have to wait long before he was able to not only go into space, but be part of another first achieved by the Soviets. In October 1964, he and two other cosmonauts, Konstantin Fyotistov, I I wrote this. It's F-E-O-K-T-I-S-T-O-V. Fyotistov. Sure. And Boris Yegorov boarded the Voxhod 1, the first human space flight to contain more than one crew member. And this is the crew. They're smiling. They are that. smiling. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, not the one guy. He's 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 got Well, a, he also looks a little older. Yeah, he's got a bit of a grin. He's like a smart. He's just like he's oh, like wow. this is the end, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> so Volkshod means sunrise. Oh, okay. And it's a kind of play on east of Vostok sure. because the sun rises in the east. That it does. There's that. Or does it? Like it's all a construct. <laughs> well, the sun sets in the west, sir. It's it just, just such bullshit. But anyway, they spent just over 24 hours in Earth's orbit. Get this. That's a long time. But get this. Without wearing spacesuits. So were they naked? I mean, I, no. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> I love that you took not wearing spacesuits and just figured that they stripped before putting on their helmet. Maybe it was just like a gravity thing. I don't know. (laughs) I'm I'm relatively confident in stating they were wearing clothing. That's good. (laughs) That's probably better. Oh, God. All right. (laughs) You made yourself laugh on that one. Well, you kind of helped it along. (laughs) Well, I mean, why would you jump to that conclusion? I have no idea. (laughs) No, I'm pretty sure they were clothed. (laughs) I could be wrong, but I think they were clothed. Um, But they were not wearing spacesuits, you see, over the clothing. I'm also pretty sure that astronauts do wear things under their spacesuit. Plenty of things. <laughs> oh, that was funny. That was funny. But but my whole point was 
isn't it weird that they weren't wearing spacesuits? They were just uh, wearing clothing. I, mean, I guess yes and no, because they're not going to leave the ship that they're in, which they're not. They're right. just trying to get through a flight to come uh, to later come back. But down. even back then, I think the spacesuits were monitoring them. I mean, probably to some extent. I'm not sure. not to what they can do now, yeah. or even you know in the future. But yeah, they definitely but... weren't wearing like what we consider now, like where you've got a helmet on and, and there's huge gloves and you're, yeah. yeah. No, they didn't need to be ready to go no, out. They into were basically space. wearing like flight suits. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. like jumpsuits. Yeah. Yes, not naked, but no. <laughs> jumpsuits. Yes, probably. <laughs> Um, but the reason they weren't wearing full-blown spacesuits is because this <laughs> spaceship technically only held two crew members. And there were three oh, of them. Okay. So if they weren't wearing spacesuits, they weren't as bulky, they could cram the... Sure. I cannot imagine how uncomfortable <laughs> that flight know, was. right? <laughs> and another good reason for them not <laughs> to, to be, be naked. naked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> They also broke the altitude record of the time when they hit <laughs> 336 kilometers or 209 miles. So they got out there. They did. Komarov would later write in a diary that his crewmates were really jazzed after the flight. Yeah, I would be like, oh, well, shit, yeah, we made it back. And yeah. it, that was amazing. I mean, like, we are the first humans to do what we just did. Yeah. Like, like it's on mm-hmm. record. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no... I mean, I've heard about, like, the UFO stories from back in the... But right. we did not have the technology up until this moment right. as humans mm-hmm. to do what they just did. Yes, it would be amazing. I, w- yeah. I mean, even the, just... Like, there's no way it ever happened before. I there, would, there really is no way. I would sure imagine that even just going up into space and coming back down for any human would be yes, wild. would be amazing. You know? Yeah. So they were all super pumped up. Ask Jeff and, Bezos. But yeah. <laughs> With his dildo rocket. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but uh, he wrote that he was just tired. So he was not... I. Everything that I read kind of seems to indicate that he's a little bit more of a even-keeled person. And a, the amount of adrenaline it takes to yeah. go through this whole oh, thing. yes. For like, 24 hours. Yes. And just By the time you're spent. done with it, yeah, you probably are mm-hmm. just like, fucking, I need mm-hmm. to sleep for like a week. Mm-hmm. Having participated in yet another Soviet first, Komarov was toured about by the Kremlin. Sure. Uh, he, it, oh, he, oh, absolutely. Yep, he visited the Kremlin at Red yeah. Square. He's like, we have the greatest human being on yes. the planet, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Similar to Yuri Gagarin, yes. <laughs> yes. He was awarded the honors of or- the Order of Lenin and Hero of the Soviet Union and also promoted to Colonel in the Soviet Air Force. He toured Leningrad, Petropavlovsk Fortress, and West Germany. He was also. Oh, West, it's, so, I, it's so funny to hear it. It's the, I know. East and West Germany. Be, uh, yes. Uh-huh. He was also a co supervisor of Voxhod 2 with Yuri Gagarin. Voxhod 2 was yet another USSR victory in the space race. Astronaut Alexei Leonov successfully completed the first spacewalk. Okay. All right. Yeah. So they, yeah, a lot of firsts. And for I them. think that name, if I'm not mistaken, is going to come up a little. Yes, it sure will. That, remember that name? It'll come up again. Um, so he was the first person to complete a spacewalk and the first person to leave a spacecraft in space, like to exit a spacecraft in space. And that was on March 18th, 1965. Damn. You know, you kind of don't... You learn about the moon landing, but... Ev- in pieces. They had to, like, yes. do, get these incremental things done yes. before they could do that. Well, there was the one, like... I- well, we must have covered it for uh, Apollo 13, mm-hmm. but 
um, in order for Apollo 11 to get to the moon, there was the Apollo 10 that had to do the, the test run. Yes, we did talk about it. To see if they could actually make it there and, and Lovell back. was one of the crew members. Yes, yes we did and they had to give them a certain amount of fuel so they wouldn't try to go to the yes, moon. Yes, they kept their fuel down mm-hmm. enough so that they wouldn't ha- be tempted to. I remember yeah. reading, hearing that too, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was j- literally just a dry run. Can we make it there and back? Yep. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm sure it was fucking tempting. Yeah. And it's... Well, again, it's a, it's also a plot line in, uh, in oh, the show we're watching. Oh, for all mankind, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. With all the success and first achieved by the USSR in low Earth orbit, it was time to expand into the bread and butter of the space race, the moonshot. Mm-hmm. So after the Vostok and Vostod programs came to the, uh, came the Soyuz, which means unity program, the program that was planned to eventually get a Soviet cosmonaut on the moon. So like the Apollo spacecraft, the Soyuz was designed with three modules. Again, if you've seen Apollo 13, you'll recognize this. The orbital module, the descent or reentry module, and the service module. The Apollo had a service module, but the other two were the command and lunar modules. So here is like sort of the breakdown of the Soyuz. Okay. Hmm. It's, it is still very small. I mean, yeah, yeah, comparatively, if you think about it, uh, the orbital module is 2.2 meters by 2.6 meters. Yeah, that's 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 small. That's an an enclosed space. (laughs) It's a very enclosed space. Yes, this was just a solo crew Mm -hmm. member for for one, at least. As with any spaceflight program, there was lots of uncrewed testing done, and it it didn't go well. Uh, The first test flight, Cosmos 133, was successfully launched in November 28, 1966. Its altitude control system malfunctioned and it started eating fuel rapidly. Ground control like tried to get a handle of the spacecraft and this is all remote, right? Cuz mm-hmm. this is there's nobody up there. But it was headed for a very much unplanned landing in neighboring China. Mm. And during the Cold War, I'm not sure mm. that the USSR wanted mm-hmm. one of their spacecraft to accidentally land in China. So instead of having that happen, they utilized the self-destruct option, causing Cosmos 133 to erupt in a fireball over Western Japan, like people literally could see it, Sure. on November 30th. A second test didn't even get as far as the first. It never made it off the launch pad. It completely malfunctioned and exploded right then and there. Hmm. The third test, Cosmos... great. Yeah. The third test, Cosmos 140, ended the worst of all. When it was supposed to lift off, not all of the proper boosters fired, so it couldn't and didn't launch. So they shut it all down and crew moved back in. But about a half hour later, the launch escape system, the in-flight abort system, spontaneously triggered, causing exhaust that overheated the fuel tanks, exploding them. And one person on the ground did die in this failure to launch. So there was a casualty as a result. So things weren't looking so great. <laughs> um, for the first planned crewed flight of the Soyuz, Soyuz 1. One might even say it would have been a bad idea at that point to send someone up on what was basically an unsuccessfully tested spacecraft. You can certainly put it in the category of that's not a good idea. It's not a great idea. <laughs> it's not your best idea. <laughs> yeah, uh, something else, please. Yeah. Let's not put a human in these things that we just tested. Exactly. Poorly. But there were some forces pressuring the launch of Soyuz 1 regardless. So first off, 
Apollo 1 had its tragic fire during testing in January 1967, mm -hmm. and that was a big setback for NASA. Sure. A setback that could be taken advantage of by the Soviets. They continue to proceed. Let's have our own Apollo 1. I mean... <laughs> well, ironically, as we'll <laughs> yeah, learn. But that's, yes. what they're, uh -huh. that's what they're... Exactly. I mean, that, that's what it led to, I'm guessing. And then there were also some, some uh, notable days coming up in the spring of... Uh, 1967, uh, Lenin's birthday. Okay. Uh, now, he had died back in yeah, 1924, but it was ago. still celebrated, right? Sure. Also, the 50th anniversary of the Soviet Union itself. Because this is 1967. Mm -hmm. 1917 was 50 years prior. And now it's 50 years ago. Almost. Oh, Jesus. No, it's more than 50 more years. Than 50. 55 years yes. ago. So, yeah. Um, Damn. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so and then it had already been two years since the last crewed space flight launched by was launched by the USSR. And there's pressure like, hey, it's been a couple years. Like, come on, get somebody up there. Plus, the Day of Workers Solidarity was coming up on May first, now known as International Workers Day, a date chosen by the Marxist International Socialist Congress in the late 19th century, and therefore meaningful to the Soviet Union. As for who would be going up in the Soyuz one. It was none other than national treasure Vladimir Komarov, with the backup crew being the first man in space, Yuri Gagarin. Mm -hmm. Now, plenty of like people... Like an all-star team. Yes. I mean, really. Yeah, the, the LeBron and <laughs> yeah. D-Wade lineup. It'd be LeBron around, and right? Jordan. Yeah. That's who that would be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Plenty of people involved seemed to know Soyuz 1 was likely to not work out not, so great. Not do things. And so there's a couple versions of what happened. So apparently either... There were attempts to bump Komarov from the flight, but he refused to let it happen, even though he basically knew he was taking his life into his hands because he didn't want to put Yuri Gagarin into jeopardy. The other version is that Gagarin was just like a backup in name only, a figurehead, mm -hmm. but that, that the Kremlin had no intention of letting him go back into space. Like, he's too valuable, we're not going to... We're not going to let him. Well, yeah, yeah. In either case, both Komarov and Gagarin were working 12 to 14 hours a day training for the mission. Sure. And they were friends. Um, and well, and co-workers, right? Yeah, they, so they, they didn't smile the together. Them. Or did smiling they? together. Oh, smiling together. Nice. <laughs> they are. These are the... I've seen three Soviets with smiles so far tonight, which is more than I think I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Didn't know they were physically capable of smiling. I, I wasn't sure. It's like someone with Botox who can't raise their they eyebrows. You thought they, they couldn't smile. No. The mission would consist of launching both Soyuz 1 and Soyuz 2. So Soyuz 1 would launch with Komarov on board. Soyuz 2 would launch the next day with a crew of three. And both Soyuz spacecraft would rendezvous in space to dock. And two of the cosmonauts, cosmonauts on Soyuz 2 would board on Soyuz 1 and fly home with Komarov. That sounds really complicated. <laughs> well, I think that's the point. <laughs> What's our next first? You know. Yeah. As plans proceeded for the Soyuz 1 launch, behind the scenes, the engineers and developers of the Soyuz program held multiple meetings to discuss whether Soyuz 1 was capable of safely transporting a human. So each personnel, like each department head, like they had they had people representing every system within the Soyuz, sure. right? Um, they were polled. They all got a vote. Like... Do you who, think who do this we send is up there? no? They're oh, they're sorry. saying. Do you think this should the flight proceed? Oh, I'm... it was green light, red light. You know, um, 
Uh, well, should it proceed, especially with Komarov, like, should, should we send this guy up into space on this spacecraft? Everyone agreed yes, except for one person who was like, you know, I'm not so sure about the thermal protection system because it failed in testing. Hmm. There are also reports that concerns were raised about 203 specific design faults in the spacecraft yeah. prior to the launch. Among the pressure to proceed overrode any concerns about safety. This is another area where it's like we're not 100% sure. All right. So now we're to flight day. Um, for no good reason, because flight day should really not be happening. But here is... Uh, Vladimir okay. in his spacesuit, mm -hmm. and I believe I could be wrong, but I think that's him, like, in his, <coughs> excuse me, traveling to the Cosmodome with his wife and daughter. So. Sure. Um, it's interesting to note, uh, he was 40 when this happened. Yeah, that's still pretty young. It, it is young, but older for astronauts true. back then. They, Very true. They, you know, they were taking people 25 to 29, yes. and he was 40, so... Yeah. Now, I'm pretty sure some of the Apollo astronauts were more like in their 30s. I think some. I think they were mostly in their early 30s. Yeah, the the thing that kind of set them apart from everybody else is they had so much flight training. Yes, so they and they were the, all like Navy pilots yes, and stuff. Yes, uh, pretty yeah. much all of them were. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So on April 23rd, 1967, at, if I did my conversion right, was five, like 5.35 a.m. local time, Soyuz 1 launched from Baikonur Cosmodrome in Kazakhstan with Vladimir Komarov on board, making him the first cosmonaut to launch into space more than once. Oh, okay. So he was the first sure. person to return to space. He was like, it was great the first time. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how I survived it. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Let's go again. Naked with two other men in space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All cramped in on each other. Oh, there we go. I was rocking over the... Oh, that's not good. The, <laughs> the cord. cord. All right. Uh, so Keep initially, on rocking over the cord. <laughs> as Neil, Neil Young said. <laughs> so initially, things seemed to go pretty okay. The launch was successful, but it did not take long for things to go awry. Based on what we know leading up to this, right? I'm surprised, like, anything right happened. I know. Well, we're going to find out not much uh, right geez. did happen. So, um, the ground crew soon learned that the left solar panel had malfunctioned and did not open as it was supposed to. So the solar panels were critical yes. because they provided power to the spacecraft. And obviously, no or low, low power was not a good thing for the spacecraft. To get into space. Or back out or All keep sorts going. Of uh, yes, it needed that's how it got powered was through solar power. So it's like we've already got a massive fuck up. Like Right off Within the bat. Within just a minute or so. Or yeah. I, for, I forget exactly how far in the launch it was. Not too far into it. It was a few few minutes or something. Yeah. So um, at the time, it was like, okay, well, right now we're fine on power. And they kind of like crossed their fingers and was like, you know, were like, you know, maybe, and I imagine they did some, some calculations too, like maybe we can get by with just the right solar panel. Like what if this is okay with just the one? Unfortunately, I'm not, for, doing, I'm not doing that math. <laughs> well, unfortunately for all involved, they soon learned that the closed panel caused a malfunction of an antenna as well as a crucial sensor that essentially controlled all maneuvering of the spacecraft as well as its altitude. Uh, uh, Jesus Christ. So 
It was... Everything is wrong. A little bit. During all of this, Komarov was orbiting the Earth aboard the now-disabled Soyuz 1. And he was he was yeah. orbiting. It wasn't like... We're not talking tumbling into sure. space, right? It was it was orbiting. It wasn't to a point where it was spinning out of control or something, right? But, but still, it's... It, but oh it was... God. Yeah. So, he, after the first orbit, he came close enough to establish voice contact with the ground crew. So, the impression I got... Was that when he was on, you know, going more towards the opposite side of the Earth, he lost, well, he lost contact. But then, as he mm. approached the area of ground control, he he regained contact. So you can imagine every time he's coming around, he's able, he's disconnecting and then reconnecting mm. to ground control, right? I, why no one has made some incredibly dramatic movie about this, I don't know because, well, maybe because we don't a hundred percent know all the details, right? Well, who cares? Well, I mean, they make up half I was going to say movies, that's what a movie's so for. Fill that <laughs> in, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, did, did Rose and Jack really get married? Right? Not, uh, really bang in a motor car in the bottom of the Titanic? Uh, no. That's, <laughs> like, that's it's, a movie. It's made up. Like the Titanic thing, the part right, is real. That's real. <laughs> yes. Um,. So he was, a, after the first orbit, he came back around, he was able to establish voice contact, and he was like, yes, you're right. <laughs> this panel failed to deploy, and he's like, this thing is kind of hard to control right now. He, he was struggling imagine. to just maintain control over it, but he kind of was. At one point, he was like, that goddamn panel's not opening. He tried to physically kick it open. Like, that's how desperate he was here. <laughs> Man, like, uh-huh. it's not... Like if you're in your house and like you uh, <laughs> like the printer won't work and you punch it, like you're you not slam it, yeah. You're not gonna die. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, I mean, you could get electrocuted. But the thing but, is, but, if but, this but thing just like, didn't, his his rock and hard place was that yeah. if this thing didn't open, it's, he could he's, die. He's gonna die anyway. So what's gonna be the harm in kicking it open? Yeah, that that's true. You know, so. That's that's a good point. Yeah. Like a fucked either way. I might as well try. Might as well give it a shot. Yeah. yeah. God. Um, so it became quickly apparent to everyone that given that Komarov was flying a low-powered spacecraft that would eventually become completely uncontrollable, like, there was no chance of the this actual mission completing. This spacecraft cannot dock with another spacecraft. No. Like... Hell no. There, there's no point to that. <laughs> no, that's, that part's scrapped. They so scrapped that long... They I, were like, I hope, anyway. Well, no. So they were like, okay, we were planning to launch Soyuz 2 tomorrow anyway. So how about... Soyuz 2 becomes a rescue mission, essentially. We're going to send them up, rendezvous, and fix that damn solar panel. So that was the idea, right? Okay, sounds sounds that's good. A, that's a good idea. There you go. There you go. Um, but that plan quickly got rained on, literally. Thunderstorms moved into Kazakhstan and interfered with the electrical sim- system of the engine booster, and they had to scrap all flight, fl- flight plans for Soyuz 2. Yeah. You do not want to launch into space under extreme weather conditions. Well, no, the problem was it moved in before the launch, sure. well before the launch, but it fried the electrical mm, system uh, essentially. Well, so well, that too. Yeah, yeah. Either way, I'd, I don't think you'd. I think you'd want a clear sky for launch. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> so the mission was now like we just have to get them back down to Earth. Like Somehow. that's that's your only mission at this point. It's it's, it's the Apollo thirteen scene where they're talking about the yes. carbon dioxide. It's like, we need to make this fit into this. Using this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it just has to be done. The because... problem was, apparently by all accounts, um, 
there wasn't the immediacy or the full understanding of the situation or something. Basically, the impression I got with what I read of the information available is that, like, there was a lot of, like, what the fuck do we do? And, and discussion ensued. And so they're, like, thinking about it and talking about it. Meanwhile, Vladimir's, like... <laughs> just fucking tumbling around. Just Well, not literally, <laughs> not, not literally tumbling but... around, but he's just orbiting Earth again and again, and it's like he cannot do this forever yeah. in a low-powered spacecraft. That's the whole point. We at need some, to land him. At some point, he's got to get back into Earth, but the only way he can get back into Earth is if this thing is fixed. Or or not, or, but or, we have yeah, to figure have it to try. out. Yeah. yeah. So at 10 a.m., the official Christ. orders were approved to prepare for the re-entry of Soyuz 1. So it's like, okay, yeah, this isn't going to happen. The normal mission, we just need to get him back. So the plan was to have Komarov re-enter during his 17th orbit. They, oh they did God. the math. Wow. They did yeah. the math about, like, how... How, Where does this need to happen? Yes. How far yeah. can he go? Mm-hmm. How many chances does he have at this? Right. And then they were working out the instructions in the meantime, right? There's a reason they pick 17 and not 3. They're like, well, yes. Because like, they we were... We get them on these windows. Like, well, and plus they're like, we're going to get you the plan on how to do this. Mm-hmm. But they had to come up with the plan. It took time. So that's why he had <laughs> to keep could, going. And they could only feed him the instructions. That's right. At, at certain points. That's exactly right. they had right. communication. Mm-hmm. Yep. So their initial idea was like, okay, orbit 17, but we could do 18 or 19 as backups. So like if it doesn't work on 17, we can try for 18 or 19. Um, so in the meantime, Komarov was not just like sitting up there. He was working to try and stabilize sure. oh, the spacecraft, yeah. I mean, right? Yes. He was working hard. Yeah. He was working very hard. He was working for his life. Yes. Um, he also reported the power of the spacecraft was running dangerously low to a point that confirmed they would not be able to land the Soyuz safely beyond the 19th orbit. So that was like their last window. Mm-hmm. Much discussion and planning ensued, ensued, but it was soon made clear it was time to like ex- plan have, we, and execute. Like, like you just have, have to, to do it. You just have to come up with something. Yeah, we... we oh. Yeah. So during Komarov's 16th orbit above, or sorry, aboard Soyuz 1, Yuri Gagarin was the one to give Komarov his final instructions for landing before they went out of communication range again. During the 17th orbit, you know, like they're watching him on the radar or whatever, and they're like, now. He's, he's not... Oh, he's not going where we our plan was for him to go. It was like this trajectory is not doing what we meant. So when he got back into communication range, range, Komarov explained, he's like, I'm still struggling with altitude. I cannot make the braking engine fire. So I, I, I couldn't execute this plan. So ground crew was like, shit, we got to come up with another, with the backup plan. But he was out of communication range. So they scrambled together the next plan. Um, and once again, Gagarin gave him the instructions. Okay, here's what you do. And now at this point, they were able to hear him start to implement the plan. So he did not go out of communication range for the rest of this, apparently. So Komarov activated the braking engine. That worked this time. About 15 minutes later, a failure command interrupted the burn of the engine. The ground crew listened as Komarov's words became drowned out by background noise. Mm. 
Flight Control knew why the failure command happened, but the math bore out that Soyuz 1 should still be able to re-enter Earth's atmosphere because the braking maneuver had lasted long enough despite the failure. So like, okay, that wasn't great, but it's enough of a break that he mm. can start to get back into... And they're also probably like, we've made a calculation for that too. Like, mm-hmm. you know. So basically, things are not yeah. looking terrible. But they're it's... not great, but there is a good but chance this it's could still, work. it's still happening. It is like still it's happening. still happening. He's still so... there. It's still happening. Yeah. So uh, sure enough, the reentry capsule was detected by Soviet radar. It's working. Unfortunately for Vladimir Komarov, the manner in which it was re-entered was not as planned. Mm. So this guy made it through this disabled flight, 18 orbits around the Earth. Mm -hmm. Despite of a failure, still managed to re-enter Earth's atmosphere. All that's left is for him to deploy his parachutes. So... I had a feeling it was two parachutes needed to be deployed: the drogue parachute and the main parachute. Sure. So the drogue parachute, he deployed it, no problem. The main parachute failed. Mm. Now, there was a reserve parachute for this exact reason, so he deployed the reserve parachute. The reserve parachute deployed, but quickly became tangled with the drogue parachute. Oh my god! Which, despite deploying had not deployed correctly. And that's why it got wrapped up. Because otherwise it's a terrible design, right? Yes. But it had not deployed correctly, so that's it why it got had tangled to be up. Deployed at like a certain angle or who knows. No, whatever. no, no. It was a mechanical issue. It was oh, not okay. it was not Komarov. Gotcha. It was a failure an engineering failure. Gotcha. So now with no functioning parachutes, Vladimir Komarov and the reentry capsule of Soyuz one they also they often call him the man who fell from space or the man who fell to earth. It literally fell to earth in the, one of the most terrifying phrases I've ever heard, ballistic reentry. Mm. Crashing into Orenburg Oblast in southwest Russia near the border with Kazakhstan at an estimated speed of 200 kilometers per hour or 124 miles per hour on the morning of April 24th, 1967. Jesus. This guy made it back to Earth's atmosphere and the fucking parachutes of all things everything that went wrong during this flight he managed and it was the fucking parachutes the last resort is what well the last thing that needed to work Mm -hmm. and this is the remains of Soyuz 1's re-entry capsule yeah that's yeah that looks about right yeah so we're talking not not much is left no no so we're talking about you know, a heavily monitored spacecraft. So they knew where it landed, well, or where it crashed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they deployed search and rescue. Rescue helicopters quickly spotted Soyuz lying on its side. The parachutes also, that did no good, also lying there. Then, like, literally, as these helicopters are, like, spotting it and getting ready to land, the soft landing engines fired on the Soyuz. What the so fuck? The soft landing engines okay. are are engines that deploy just before just landing like, like, to soften the landing, sure. right? So the idea is Probably just like a little meters propulsion above. up. Yes, yeah. a little propulsion up to keep you from landing too hard, mm-hmm. right? Soft landing, that's the whole idea. They went off me. after the fact and basically exploded, caught on fire the entire capsule. So yet another thing that went completely wrong with this. And at that point, they're like, well, we don't know what happened to him before. 
but there is not a live person in there, so... Not a chance at that point. Uh, so Soyuz 1 was just a tower of black smoke, and, uh, yeah, it was burned to a point where it was melting. Like, a space capsule, which, think crazy. about this, it's Has meant... Has to yes, get out of the atmosphere. Heat. Yes. Again, if you've seen Apollo 13, there are those flames yeah. at, upon reentry. Because it's fucking... Yeah. Yeah. It needs to be able to withstand a lot of heat, and it was melting. Yeah. That's how bad this was. Uh, they couldn't... They tried to... Ex- and it had already been to space. Yes. Like, yes. I mean... Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it's still... Jesus. So they tried to put out the fire with extinguishers, and no. it wouldn't work. They had to shovel dirt on it to extinguish the fire. Yeah. And then in the end... And then the dirt made the capsule collapse... And then there was literally just like a mound of dirt with the entry doors on it. That's just. Um, they found Komarov, or more accurately, what was left of Komarov mm. inside. And here is where the optional picture comes into play. Yeah, now, why not? Here's the thing: Let's it's see. not it's not inherently. Man. Yes, we did. That was a great movie, by the yeah, way. It was the good. The 2021 version. Yes. Um, it's not inherently gruesome unless sure. you know it's a person. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen that. With, it's a uh, famous picture too. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you saw that with, um, like, one of the first signs that things are going really wrong in Iraq is when they started to kidnap and kill contractors. Ooh. And there's a famous photo of three of them mm. being hung Oof. from a bridge after that had happened to them. After what what are you hanging? They something, but they were the hanging. remains, but, I guess. Yes, but that happened. So you can look it up if you want to. Yeah. Um, it's it, it, they're charred remains essentially. Mm. Um, yeah, his official cause of death was listed as multiple blunt force trauma. Yeah. He crashed yeah. into the earth in a spaceship at one hundred and twenty some miles, miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, his death at age forty was the first in-flight death in the history of space flight. It came right at the end too. He had to live through all of that. Mm-hmm. That whole 24 and hours, ma- yeah. And not make it. And not make it, yep. One of the well, rest... he tried. They he all, every, try everybody yeah. tried their, they worked yeah. their ass off to try to, it was... I have nothing was, against the cosmonauts and the no, astronauts. Just some of, it's the, some of the officials some of the, who... Some of the engineers. Well, or the officials who proved too. it. Yes. You it's, know? Well, exactly. It is them too. Yeah. Because the engineers are probably sitting there thinking, like, it's not ready yet. And they're like, well, well, they're like, well, it's or whether they are or not, yeah. it's not their job to approve their design. True. So, and they're sitting there thinking, well, it's it's ready because I say so. And they're like, okay, mm-hmm. what what am I going to do? Say no to the, <sighs> the to the government? Water. Well, especially in the USSR, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the rescue officials would later write, "quote We discovered Komarov's body one hour after we started to clear the debris." At first, it was hard to distinguish where was his head, arms, and legs. Mm. Apparently, Komarov was killed when the craft hit the ground, and the fire turned his body into small pieces that were 30 by 80 centimeters. Jeez. So, there are a lot of unclear and unsubstantiated reports surrounding Komarov's final words, including reports he was cursing in rage as he knew he was plummeting to his death, and then also that he spoke to his wife. But those sources are really sketch, so... It sounds like a good embellishment on a story, frankly, but who knows? Well, because it's, it's something that could have possibly happened. Maybe. He's, he's just like, I'm going to die anyway. Fuck it. Maybe, but it's, I don't know. It, it seems a little... Yeah, it does seem a little me. dramatic. Yes. Vladimir Komarov was given a state funeral and his ashes were buried at Red Square in Moscow. And this is his wife at his 
Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's funeral site. That's uh, yeah. That's sad. Mm-hmm. So and, and, and preventable, of course. Yeah. So just like the Apollo One uh, disaster delayed uh, the Apollo program, mm-hmm. Soyuz One disaster delayed the Soyuz program. So just like you, the U.S. experienced the setback, so did the U.S. Yeah, I mean the uh, the moon landing might have happened like a year or two earlier. Mm. had Apollo 1 not happened. That's right, because there was a big pause there. Well, the same thing happened mm-hmm. with Soyuz. The Soviets may have gotten to the moon first if this they hadn't had happened. They had their own tragedy. Yeah. So they, there was an 18-month delay in the Soyuz program. Yeah, that's a long so time. they didn't get started back up until October 1968. I was going to say, ju- mm-hmm. like, not, e- not even a year before we would go to the moon. Yep. The delay would prove to be the death of the Soviet's dreams of winning the space race when mm-hmm. Apollo 11 landed on the moon on July 20th, 1969. They left behind a memorial plaque with the names of the three Apollo 1 astronauts, along with the names of Vladimir Komarov and Yuri Gagarin. Did they really? Nice. Yes, it was, it okay. was good. Yeah. And Yuri Gagarin. Do you know why? Because he died on a routine training flight in March 1968 at age 34. Shit. Mm-hmm. The Soyuz program continued, though its own 11, (laughs) Soyuz 11, didn't turn out so great. You can listen to our episode, episode 81. Okay. Okay. I looked it up. (laughs) In July 1975, the U.S. and USSR space programs would come together for the first time in Apollo-Soyuz, the first crewed international space mission. U.S. Commander Thomas Stafford... Oh, do I have a picture of this? I thought I did. Oh, I did. Oh, oh well. Um, and uh, so Thomas Stafford and USSR Commander Alexei Leonov, remember I told uh, you his yes. name would yep. come back up for mm-hmm. Spacewalker, shared, and I had a picture of this, but we can look it up later, the first handshake in space. Very in, nice. Indicating a new era of U.S.-Soviet relations and the unofficial end of the space race. Interesting. And that, my friends, was the very sad story yeah. of Soyuz 1. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, like, like astronauts are just humans on a just different level. Like, yeah. they're like Jedi, almost. You know what I mean? It's Jedi, but, like, with egos, because you have to. That's true, to. <laughs> you have to. It's true. It's not, it's not setting aside your ego. and it's Well, it's like, the no, same thing, to... like, you know, certain professions, you need the swagger, yeah. right? You need to feel a little invincible or you won't do it. No. Because what normal person would, no. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and some people take that to their personal lives, some people yes. don't, and mm-hmm. that's the... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the... Well, uh, for all mankind, really shows their personal lives yes. too, and yeah, yeah, and a lot of that stuff. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. If you have a big ego, I'm, I've never had one, but I'm guessing that if you have a big ego, then it's, it's always on. Like it's, it's yeah. almost like a switch you can't turn off. Yeah. Well, it's like a, it's a self-preservation mechanism, especially for those with genuinely dangerous professions or putting themselves in genuinely dangerous positions. Like, if you stopped to think about it, you wouldn't do it. That's true. So you kind of can't. Yeah, it comes with the territory. Mm-hmm. Like, it attracts a certain personality. Yes, yes. Like mm-hmm. goalies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was just watching a thing on TikTok where, um, <coughs> I think it was on the NHL's TikTok, 
at one of the recent playoff games, whatever, uh, this kid was in his full hockey goalie gear mm-hmm. in his living room yeah. watching the game oh, and, sure. like, mimicking the goalie's moves. And I'm like, oh, of course he's the goalie. <laughs> yes. He'll, he, he, so he's, he's already, suiting up in his own living room. He's already playing it. Like, mm-hmm. in, uh, you know, in, he's a mite, probably. He's playing it in mites. And that's what he's going to grow up to be. And he'll mm-hmm. always be a goalie. Like, yes. Like in every mm-hmm. facet of his life. <laughs> You're a goalie, aren't you? Yeah. I can spot him. Yeah, I can. you can. <laughs> you have, yeah. <laughs> yes. But, uh, but that is like a... It's almost like a movie script. Isn't how it? it? I mean, how it, how Isn't it unfolds. It? It's like the most tragic... It's like if Apollo 13 were... Hor- was, had a horrible turned ending. out tragic yes uh-huh. it'd be the same and it almost did i mean when it, it could have even when point. they even when they made re-entry remember they lost contact for what, like a minute yeah. or two yeah well and at they, least according to the movie i forget something if that like happened that. in real life but yeah mm-hmm. but uh so they didn't really know did they land or not mm-hmm. like that was they needed to hear another communication to, right. to be sure but mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's the bad ending of Apollo thirteen yeah. is what this is. Mm-hmm. I find it so interesting that Apollo one and Apollo eleven so and Soyuz one and Soyuz eleven yep. are the hallmarks of each of those programs. Mm-hmm. And for the Soviets, they both ended badly. Mm-hmm. For the U.S., just one ended well, but it was the one that mattered. Yes. Sort of, yeah. We rebounded from the Apollo one and kind of kept trucking and. It, it worked, worked out. out. <laughs> worked out until... Uh, until it didn't. Yeah, it worked out until we decided to divest in the space program yeah. to a certain extent, you yeah. know. So, yeah. But but amazingly, like, after Apollo 1, we never lost another Apollo ship. Yeah, that's right. The rest of the they Apollos... They all came back. Even though 13 was dicey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. But they all came back. So... Yeah. I think we did six moon missions. Oh, I don't remember. I think it, it was, was something like... Like, the Apollo-Soyuz was one of the last, like, mm-hmm. moon missions. Yes. Or, you know, Apollo missions, yeah. And people are like, the conspiracy theory is like, well, if we did it back then, like, why aren't we doing it now? Like, because of money, mm-hmm. dipshit. Where do you think that money's <laughs> like, going? Like, like, stop going to war yeah, and maybe we'd have money for say, innovation. going to the military. Yeah. That's why we don't have uh, mm-hmm. functional bridges either. Mm-hmm. You know, not yeah. that we don't need a military because we do. We just don't need the amount of money. Here's an idea. How about our Department of Defense is literally for defense? Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. Imagine that. I, I would think functional bridges and roads mm-hmm. are for defense. Well, not to mention just good for citizenry. But that yes. too. Mm-hmm. But the, the entire backup plan. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the whole reason the interstate was, mm-hmm. was made. Was, yes, is it is its primary purpose to move citizens around the United mm-hmm. States in transport and manufacturing and goods yes that's his primary purpose but on the back end Mm -hmm. like if we're ever at fucking war Mm -hmm. and we need forces to go from the east coast to the west coast Mm -hmm. or vice versa Mm -hmm. it's an easy way for them to that's true transport Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah so yes infrastructure who who knew infrastructure is good for defense here we go Yes, except we're not exactly known for our stellar defense. Apparently, our our well, yeah, best best defense is a good offense. There we go. That's apparently our philosophy. Except we're so offensive. Yes, very much so. <laughs> yeah, to our international listeners, uh, the majority of citizens of the United States do not agree with that policy. 
unfortunately, everybody in government does, and we have no other choice. Because it all paid off. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Good note to add on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, uh, can yeah. I... Can you oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just so I make sure I get the name right. Sure. That's right. That That is how it was spelled. So, hey, maybe we should... We'll start a GoFundMe for mm-hmm. whoever wants to make the story of Soyuz 1, like a major Oh, it would be major a, motion it would make a great... Yes, it would. Horribly tragic film. Maybe that's why they haven't done it because it's not a feel good movie. Yeah, but it's, it's like terrible. Yeah, just, you know, slap a happy happy ending onto it for the movie. No, I can't. Well, like well, <laughs> how? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The no. whole point is that it doesn't <laughs> yeah. end well. No, the whole point is like you can just make the movie that way and people will believe it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, that was the story of the Soyuz One. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week.